Welcome back to Behind the Play. My name is Alex Adams, and today I'm very excited to reintroduce one of our recurring guests in, or recurring guests in Ross Levitan and Brandon Piller or Pilsy of the Locked On Senators podcast. I just first want to say these guys have been so supportive with my podcast and helped me so much, and I'm, I'm very indebted to them. So thanks so much for, for everything, and thanks again for coming on the podcast. I'm already blushing, Alex. We appreciate you having us, and uh, it's a pleasure to watch kind of your show grow, and, and you're pumping out more content than we are these days, man. It's a treat to watch. Yeah, I don't know about that, but uh, it's a it's a high bar, but definitely uh, things have been going. So thanks so much for, for coming on, and I want to first ask you guys, both of you, a little bit about how you've built built the show. I think um, it's been awesome to see with Locked On, and what I'm always amazed at is how you guys have cultivated so many relationships with senators players management coaches um we were talking off air but you guys have this great thing with mark method have on like a quasi weekly uh basis of him coming on the show so for you guys what do you think is so important or has helped you guys cultivate those relationships with people in in the industry and on the team well it all starts with being a company man look at pilsy's rocking the locked on shirt right now pilsy come on (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I Ross, I feel like you should take the reins on this one because uh, I'll be completely honest. Uh, I, I got to give a lot of credit to to Ross in, in this department. He he gets all the guests. He uh, cultivates a lot of the the relationships. So uh, Ross, not to uh, d- just totally toss it off to you, but I feel like I would just be speaking for you through through this. So I'll let you take the reins on this one. No, it's all good, man. It's a team effort. And that's, that's kind of what we do is, is I'm, I'm obviously a little, little more addicted to being online. I would say is where it all started. (laughs) Obviously over time, relationships just grow naturally, which is huge. For example, Pilsy and I, when we were in school or just finished school, we were both working at TSN. We were doing the podcast. We're like, how can we make people like respect our opinions of the senators? Otherwise we're just two random guys with a microphone we saw that the Belleville Sens were hiring. So we're like, okay, let's get our foot in the door. It's a minimum wage job for three hour shifts and we live an hour and a half away. Does it make sense financially? No, not at all, but we could, we can make something of this. This, The Belleville Sens at the time were just, they had Josh Norris rookie year, Drake Batherson. So the Sens were at the point in the rebuild where we were watching the future senators, sorry, Pilsy, not Rudy Balsers, but everyone else that was able to come up at that time, we, we figured we could kind of grow up with the team. All of a sudden, the play-by-play guy who was working at the radio station, no affiliation with the team, David Foote, now he's the public relations guy with the team. So just naturally, we have a relationship with him. He helps us out by getting guys on the show. So there's just that standpoint. Um, for example, with Matt, I think it was more so just us replying to him sometimes. He thinks we're funny. He comes on the show. I make fun of him because he's like, hey, why didn't you have me earlier? I pull up a, a message. I said, hey, I DM'd you two years yeah. ago. Where are you now? So I think people appreciate that a lot of times in media, it's very serious. It's very this, that it's, it's like almost a script and you can change the words, but the cadence is always the same. We're kind of, I guess, disruptors in that standpoint that we don't take ourselves seriously at all. We make a ton of mistakes. We're factually incorrect, but we're, we're like, we're just here having a good time. And I feel like we, we kind of are able to get away with it through 800 episodes. Like you can kind of not brush it off. Like we obviously want to be the best version of ourselves that we can, but I think that people appreciate using these types of shows as an escape 
from the serious everyday grind. And we just try to make sure that people leave with a laugh. And um, through that, I think relationships have just been able to kind of naturally grow. And obviously it, it helps the show huge because people would get sick of Pillsy and I talking every single day, just us. So being able to add all these voices and these other opinions and the insight, it just goes to kind of the slow and steady growth of the entire show. I, I want to ask you both about what do you think for a show like Locked On Senators is the key or some of the keys to to making a podcast like your guys' own work? Well, I think uh, one of the big things for us, Ross, that really changed the landscape of our podcast was the introduction of the segment Send Central Citizens, right? Because I think, Ross, when we started this podcast, our whole thing was we're sick of watching TSN, Sportsnet, and Nobody cares about the Sens. Nobody's talking about the Sens. The Sens made a big move or called a prospect up. Nobody's talking about it. We want to talk about it. But we want to give other people that are sitting there being like, we're so frustrated there's no Sens coverage. We want to have a voice too. And we thought, look, we've got this platform, albeit at at the start, a very small platform. But if you have a heated opinion about the Ottawa Senators and you want to get it out, you want to chat about it, come on our show and let's talk about it. And people are like, well... No one wants to hear me on a podcast. Like I'm not famous. I don't have. I don't work in the media. Whatever. Who cares? It's it's not all about being reputable and uh, having credentials and uh, validated. And it's just about creating discussion and getting thoughts out there and joining a community. And I think the Send Central Citizen segment is one of our favorites because. We get to meet different people. Like we, we've had people from Australia, from England, like uh, Korea, like all over the world that are Sens fans that are like, I stay up through all hours of the night to watch this team. I want to talk to someone about it. No one in my area cares about it. Come on the show, talk to us. And then people hear it. They add them on Twitter. And now you've made new friendships along the way too. So I think that's one thing that kind of sets us apart from other podcasts is we really pride ourselves or try to be the people's pot. Like we want, like we want to have a pulse on what the fans feel like, not what the media feels like or what the rest of the NHL feels like about the auto centers. What do the fans think about it? And if you got a thought, let's talk about it. Yeah. We want to be kind of for the people, by the people, for yeah. fans, by fans is something that I say often on, on the show. And, and I mean it because without the community around the team, there's no us, there's no fandom. There's no moments that you would get from so many, like, for example, the guy in Toronto, the slow kill app, uh, the 6-2 yeah, yeah. game, boom, yeah. we hunt him down. He's on the show the next day. So just being able to make a direct connection from something that we see on TV to what we're we're kind of learning a bit more about their background, uh, I think is so much fun. And it's something that we absolutely love. I think that the growth, to kind of get back to your initial question, and I agree with Pillsy, the Send Central Citizen was something that we came up with right at the start of COVID. Everybody was locked down. So it was also easier. It's become a little bit harder with everyone's busy schedules. And we often record in the mornings. We both kind of work nights typically or evenings, I guess, for lack of a better term. And um, so it's a little bit more difficult to be like, hey, Wednesday at 10 a.m., you, you good to record or that sort of thing. But yeah. we've still we've probably done, I think, 85 to 90 of them uh, overall. <laughs> we've done 50, 59 or just since our YouTube era. So it's been so great getting to meet. And then when we see them in person, we already kind of have a rapport with them. So, um, and then, I mean, from a business standpoint, if you come on a podcast, you're going to tell all your friends you were on this show yeah. and then people who won't have heard the show, they get to listen to it for the first time. So there is a bit of kind of business acumen in there as well. But I think Alex to answer your question. Something that I think we spoke about on the first time we were on was just reaching out to guests and just being able to do that. 
we were both lucky enough to be at TSN and kind of have not not deep relationship by any stance, but kind of be able to see the the Dave Poulins, the Craig Buttons, these types of guys, Jamie McLennan, and now they're all friends of the show and they're able to lend their credibility to us. And just having that really helped kind of the show take off when it did kind of around the start of the first full season back from COVID. And I think people also kind of respected the fact that even through the pandemic, there was no sense hockey for 310 days. And we did about 190 episodes. We did, we did the exact same schedule that we do now without the postcast, obviously. And it's just been the consistency. I think people can appreciate that if we're caring enough to do this every day, then maybe it's worth listening to. And, and that's all we can ask for. And I want to go off that a little bit because I, I, I maybe it's just because I've been a member of Sense Twitter for about two years or something like that. But um, what I find interesting is that there's so many people in that media space that are really smart, like you guys um, have a podcast, maybe not everyone, but there are people out there. Um, and I want to ask you guys, do you think people that, maybe don't work for uh, uh, the athletic or the Ottawa sun or the citizen should be given press credentials to be part, be a bigger part of the industry in terms of literally being at games or um, covering the team like more directly. And, and, and for you guys, do you think you guys would maybe deserve to, to have a bit more of access to, to players that isn't just through your own kind of building a rapport with, with players and teams? Pelzi, you want to start with this one? I've got my thoughts. Sure, yeah. I'll, I'll just say quickly, I think uh, if you were to ask this, Alex, maybe 10 years ago, I think it's not even a discussion. I think people are saying, nope, we can't just have random people getting access to the locker rooms and to the players. Like, it's just, a, it's a non-starter. But this is a new age where podcasts are becoming a, a huge part of the sports discussion uh, throughout in North America and the world. So, podcasters aren't just blog boys anymore like they're a big part of the community and do we deserve a press crap press pass sorry uh i'm not sure uh and i think the thing that uh is tough is neither ross or i live in the area i'm in collingwood he's in winnipeg another province so that makes things tough but i think we've earned a right to have some more access and uh, we're starting to see that especially as uh, ownership changes are happening we've seen a little bit more access here and i think as long as you're going about it honestly and you're you know you're not trying to kind of uh do gotcha journalism or anything mm-hmm. like that there's no reason why people that are in the podcast realm can't have more access to these teams to to present this content to fans in a different way than the polished TSN 30 second hits and things like that. So I'll, I'll pick up on that and say, I have zero interest in being in post-game yeah. scrubs. Yeah. Get absolutely <laughs> nothing out of it. And it's not like the early two thousands where it's like, we need to go to your place. Cause you were there. I can just pull up Twitter and I can yeah. see it in yeah. five seconds. Like I have zero interest to be a part of that daily. Hey, so this guy wasn't at the skate today. How do you feel about this guy being on your line? Like, it's just such basic questions when we have guys on, which is, I would love as much access as possible, but for them to come on our turf for lack of a better term, I have no interest in kind of going to their workplace and sticking a microphone in their mouth and getting the most basic quote. I have zero interest in that, but of course them coming on our show. And like I mentioned in my first answer, how we're just kind of, we want to be unbuttoned. We want to just kind of hang out be loose, be relaxed. 
showing the players in that light, you will never be able to do while they're at their job, right? They're, they're wound up. Like even we have, we've found, we've done a few interviews where the players are, are like at the rink and they've helped us out, get access. That's great. But they're still, I feel like when they're at the rink, they have that mentality. They're professionals. They're making millions of dollars because they're professionals and they know how to turn that intensity switch. But for example, when Thomas Shabbat came on, he was at his house. And you can just tell they're relaxed there. They want to have a conversation. They're not in a rush. They're not thinking about, oh, I got to lift weights after this. Then I got to go do this and that. They're just a lot more relaxed. That's the attitude that we want to have on our show rather than just like, I, yeah, I just don't, I don't care to kind of be, and it's needed. We need people who want to do that. So I think that there should obviously be kind of a, a paring down. Like, I don't think everyone who's like, Oh, I have a, I have a podcast. I should be able to go to the press. There's going to be 150 people there asking not the most ideal questions. Not that there is such thing as a perfect question or whatever. It's, it's basically whatever angle the story you're working on, you're going to ask a similar question, but um, I definitely think there's room for kind of new faces, new blood. We've, again, we want to kind of be in a position where we can make fun of the media in Ottawa as well. Mm-hmm. Like we, we kind of like we're for fans by fans. It's like, if a guy asks a dumb question, we're going to be like, that was a stupid question where, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we want to yeah. kind of be that guy who's like on the sidelines chirping, like, you know, heckling almost at everyone, just making light of everything. And I feel like you'd, you'd almost lose that if we were too close to it. You know what I mean? We kind of have to keep like a, a perfect distance where we're close enough where we can get the odd, you know, nugget that maybe you won't hear anywhere else based on those relationships that we've cultivated, but at the same time, far enough away that we can roast someone because of this, that, or the other, and be able to kind of do it in a, in a light, fun way and, and not have to, you know, go in the next day and have people give us the side eye and, you know, have that. So I I think there's a nice balance and I feel like we're kind of uh, cradling that balance pretty well these days. Yeah. And and just quickly, like, I, I always think it's funny, Ross, when people ask us like, why haven't the Sens hired you or you need to work for the Sens? And we're like, we don't really want to do that because we don't want to be stuck in that position where we're walking on thin ice with every question we ask. And we have the PR guys being like, don't ask about this. Don't ask about this. You need to ask about this. What are your questions, et cetera, et cetera. That ruins the integrity of our show and what we're trying to do. So it's, it's, I get a laugh when people are like, so next step is working for the senators. Right. And, and it's like, no, like next step is, building what we have with locked on senators and making it even greater. So we're at, at least I'll speak for myself, but I, I'm all in on the locked on senators and I'm not trying to use this as a stepping stone. This is where I, I've wanted to be and where I want to continue to grow. And we do have a price though. So if anyone on the sense wants to offer us $1 million each, we'll consider it. We've been known to sell out. Yeah. Look at the NASCAR uh, jackets going and we can sell out if the right thing comes along. Yeah. No, I think to, just to pick up on that. And and I feel like we're, we're kind of hijacking your interview. Oh, here. No, it's interesting. Uh, no, I, I find it. Uh, yeah. It is funny when people ask that, like, so when, when are you going to work for the sense? No, no, no. We're good. We're working about the sense right now, but we're doing it in a way where it works for us and it works with being outside of, of town. And um, as long as we're able to make it a profitable show and, and be able to make it a show that people enjoy and can have a laugh at the, there's no next step to that. We're kind of just, we're, we're kind of at the summit of where we want to be. And then it's just a matter of making changes that make us happy. And if that continues to elevate the show, Hey, even better. No, for sure. And I think you guys, like, I just think of the Mark Mathot, like him being a recurring guest for you guys, like 
Imagine if you were told that five years ago when they're on the yeah. cup like that would just be like chef's kiss. Like that's awesome. Right. So we like had thumbnails at the start of our show where it was like him doing his exit interviews, wearing the, the goat shirt with shooter McGavin. Yeah. On. <laughs> this guy was a thumbnail and like a topic on our show. And now he's been on 14 times and we've got a little group chat going on text. And we just, you know, it's not always, Hey, come on the show. It's, Hey, what are your thoughts on this? Or, and yeah. then, insight even when he's not on the show can be felt through us because we're able to kind of have that rapport no for sure like I, I think even to make it a little bit about me for for two seconds like I think I find that with people I've had on like Ian other people that now I feel as though I have a rapport where I can shoot a text and be like hey what do you think about Reynolds right like where it's it's not that rapport that you maybe had at the beginning or or or, uh, or yeah just at the beginning of the podcast and before I go into the senators, I have one fun question that I don't think I prepped you guys on. So this uh, you you might have this coming out of the blue, but in if you were the NHL commissioner for one day, what rule would you change? Well, uh, head coaches have to announce their starting goalie every day. <laughs> no starters yeah, at then? the morning skate. Yeah, nothing pisses me off more. And this is why I don't want to be in scrums, Alex. Okay, you'll find out our starting goalie at game time. No, who cares? You like. We already know based on what side of the ice they're on in practice. So I also my, my number I, one rule. I also think with Ball betting, with betting, it's like you're just kind of screwing the betting companies that you're giving. They're paying you to to kind of provide. Yeah. But yeah, and we yeah. know, like we know who's starting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what's with the games here? Yeah, um, my my thing, and this probably makes no sense and costs so much more money. But playoffs one through sixteen let's let's do it that way let's get wild like i i want to see uh the, like because winning the president's trophy isn't even that good like the boston bruins they had one of the greatest seasons ever they're bouncing the first round they go up against a good florida panthers team now Actually, maybe even they, one they through played. 16 they would have played them anyways but no, they wouldn't have because they finished 17th they would have even made the playoffs in your <laughs> <stuff>. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly well i'm still down at the eastern western conferences and and lining up that way but once playoff hits Free for all. Let's uh, let's sort of let it ride one through sixteen. I think that would be fun. That's huh. crazy. That's interesting. Yeah, it is crazy. Yeah. My, my serious answer though, Alex, is that I don't want to see the, the shootout. Overtime is too good. Maybe if it's eight minutes of three on three and there's still no goal, then sure, have it as like a last ditch. I get you don't want your top guys playing forty minutes during a regular yeah. season and how much ice and how much skating is needed in overtime. But there's so many highlights that come out of three on three. It's a shame that it ends after five minutes. Yeah, I think I think the world championships or something like I think international has to 10 minutes, I think, in playoff game or like in the round, like the playoff round. So I think and that it, would make the big ice. Pfft. It's yeah. wild. Yeah. And yeah. 10 minutes should get it done. If you can't score a goal after 10 minutes of three on three overtime. And then a tie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, now I want to go to the senators. And and before I know you guys have talked about to bring it and ownership but i just want to recap a little bit about last year for you guys how would you evaluate the senators past year or past season and and was it an underachievement in your mind i would say last season was the equivalent of going on the world's wildest roller coaster ride because we had the owen two start we weren't ready to panic but we were on record that the home opener was a must win game <laughs> Then they roll off four straight wins. So I go, oh, the Sens are back. And then they fall off. And then November happens. And then they battle back. And then they don't. It was just so much happening. You can even go down with Belleville and 
the the sudden firing of Troy Mann a week after he came on our show. We said, damn, did we do this? Yeah. And then all these different like aspects of the season, it was wild, but you look at it all in all, a 13-point improvement year over year, and all the young stars are locked up. You just have to knock on wood that Josh Norris will be 100% healthy all season. And there is a bit of, of kind of relief knowing that Shane Pinto went through a similar injury and Angus Crookshank missed a whole year. And both those guys were able to play the full season more. So Pinto with a shoulder injury being more similar, but that's kind of a key for me is getting Norris in the mix. But I just think that this was kind of a, you know, and, and going into the year, it was meaningful games, even though, you know, you wanted more, but just the fact that this team gelled, you're going to have more familiarity coming into training camp next season with the Giroux in the mix and his leadership. So now Alex to kind of carry my thoughts on last year that I want Pilsies as well into next year, next year, the theme has to be no excuses. Like I don't care if there's big injuries, you have to be able to have the depth that you look at teams that have these year long injuries. They get through it. Is it shrewd GM moves? Is it different coaching? Whatever it is. But there's no excuses for next year, Pilsy. Are you in the same boat? Absolutely, yeah. The, it's a must to make the playoffs. You have to make the playoffs. And to answer your question, Alex, uh, what? A must-win season? Yeah, it's a must-win season. Yeah, that, that's where it's at. It's a must-win 82-game stretch. Um, but the thing is, this season was about taking that next, or last season was about taking that next step. And they had a 13 point improvement. They made subtractions that they need to make. Colin White, Nikita Zaitsev, Matt Murray, everyone knew those guys had to go for the salary cap uh, structure to work. You brought in Jacob Chikrin, who was not a rental. He's got two more years at the same basically deal as Nikita Zaitsev. You've built on momentum that Claude Giroux is a veteran leader that can help this young core do what they need to do to take that next step. And they were, they were in it almost to the very end here. And they had like eight guys up in the injury uh, press box there. So for, for my vantage point, I would say last season was a success because it was all about taking that next step to getting out of the basement of the league and approaching playoff hockey. And that's what they did. Now there's no excuses. As Ross mentioned, they have to be going all steam ahead for the playoffs. And and with that, obviously, the elephant in the room with the Senators this past, what, month or two after the season is, is ownership. And um, obviously, it seems as though Ryan Reynolds is out, although who knows, uh, maybe he comes back in with another group. Or, um, But for you guys, I know you've talked about this a lot on, on, the, on your podcast. What ownership group do you guys want? And maybe give a reason as to why you think they'd be the best for the Ottawa Senators. Well, I, I, for me, and I've said it since uh, the Reynolds Remington group uh, fell out, the Michael Andlauer group for me is, is the best option in my opinion. They're, they've got the local flavor. Uh, He's had minority ownership in the Montreal Canadiens. So he's aware of what it takes to run a NHL hockey team. And I really believe the key to this ownership is do the owners care about the Ottawa Senators? Not do they, they, they just want a pro sports team. They just want an NHL team. What are their motives? Like for this team to work in Ottawa, they have to be focused on the city and the people of Ottawa. So I really think if you get a local guy uh, like that with local sponsorships, uh, local investors teaming with them, I think that's the recipe to success. So for me, with what information I have, uh, the Andlauer group seems like the best choice. 
Yeah, I'm really happy that this is coming to an end. Like it's been over 200 days. We can speculate all we want. We have no clue what where it's going to be. I just hope that the nope. next owner of the Ottawa Senators spends to the salary cap and doesn't say much in the media. That would be my <laughs> 1A, 1B request for the new owner. And, oh, yeah, let us do as many interviews as yes, we can. Please. With players, coaches, staff, scouts. Like uh, I just want to have access and not have to be talking about the owner went and did a radio interview and said a bunch of, wild statement so i'm excited that those days are over i mean i mean i me personally i've I've been on this thing where i just think gary bettman is not good at his job maybe that's just my take but if you look at like how this has been handled it's been what like six months right um ryan reynolds isn't going to be probably a part of this now if he comes back i'll i'll go and kiss the ring of, of gary bettman but until then i just think this process has been handled improperly i think i agree with you guys that um and lauer does sound good also he ran i think at the hamilton bulldogs and they were very successful so there's at least some kind of pedigree of, of, of owning a team and and with you guys specifically i'm curious if let's say you michael and lauer or whoever the owner is says okay pilsey ross you're the co-gm of the team uh going in starting i don't know June 1st or whenever they take over, what would you do? Would you keep Pierre Dorian? Or or I guess, let's say you're president. Would you keep Pierre Dorian? Would you keep DJ Smith? What would your first move be as the head of the Ottawa Senators? My first move would be to call Alex Dabrinkit's agent and say, hey, you have about a week right now and and you need to let us know your intentions. We can negotiate a contract in good faith if you want to be here. If not, we're probably going to make a move at the draft because we need to know going in to July 1st, what our cap structure is going to be next year. And we can't have a $9 million question mark over, over our head. The team is too close to the cap to, to have that. If you want to sign, if you want to be here short, long-term, whatever we can, we can discuss that, but I need an answer right away. That would be number one, number two, and number three is uh, calling him waiting for an answer and then making a move based on that. Cause if he's not coming back, then all of a sudden you got to call a bunch of GMs and say, Hey, give me your, your best offer, your first offer. And if I like it, then we can discuss further uh, about what a future away from Alex to bring it in Ottawa would look like. But of course, in a perfect world, he wants to be here. You make a deal where he's not egregiously paid and not say overpaid. Cause I want these guys to all make their money. But in terms of the structure where the senators are looking to build a competitive team, they, they can't be paying this guy $9 million. I'm sorry. They, they just cannot do it. There's not enough room for other guys. And then I would be scouting these playoffs in particular and trying to find a diamond in the rough goalie. We've seen certain goalies get opportunity, whether it's Laurent Brassois before getting injured, whether it's Aiden Hill or uh, even a Freddie Anderson, who's a free agent in Carolina, and just try to see uh, what could be a possible fit in goal? I mean, the the reach for the stars would be UC Saros or Connor Hellebuck. I, I've heard Hellebuck probably will not be the guy uh, in terms of wanting to play in Canada if he is going to get traded. Um, but all in all, like those are the two first things that I'm doing is to bring it and goaltending have to be addressed. And then there has to be changes in the bottom six, but that would be a little further down my to-do list. Yep, I agreed. And with that, with the Debrinket, like I'm, I, I'm curious what you guys think. Like, if you are to trade him, let's say tomorrow he says he wants out, are you looking for players back? Are you looking for picks? Do you use get the picks and then use cap space? Like, what would you do and what would you look for in an Alex Debrinket trade? And if you sign him, how do you start? Like, what's the number that 
is your final offer if you're Pierre Dorian or whoever the GM is as of the Senators? My final offer would probably be something along the lines of like three years at eight million dollars per. Like, I, I don't, I don't foresee a world where you can have six guys making over eight million dollars for eight years, seven years. Like these guys have so much term, you're just kind of putting yourself in a bit of a cage when you, when you do that. Whereas if you're to break it, you kind of sell them on, Hey, this is a bit of a down year for you. If you want it to be two years, even, but we're, we're going to have to buy at least a year of unrestricted free agency. We're not going to walk you right to unrestricted free agency and let you go out the door. Like they did with Mark stone, which showed that you're, even though he signed an extension Vegas, you're handcuffing your return. Even if you are going to make a move and get some sort of asset back. So Pilsy, I don't know what you would do with the Brinkett, but if he wants to be here, I don't think it's a hard negotiation. I think you just sell him on what he's going to be able to be a part of here. And he's like, he got to play almost 800 minutes with Claude Giroux last year. Like, I mean, he's say what you want about the centerman and, and you can point to the injury and be like, Hey, you're starting with Josh Norris or Tim Stutzla next year. That's guaranteed. You, you saw a 21 year old score 20 goals with you for the most part this year. Like, there are a lot of great pieces here. Do you want to be a part of it? Let's make the money fit. He just made $9 million last year. I don't think he's, you know, pinching pennies right now trying to put food on the table. So I think it is a batter of what he wants. And if not, Alex, we could do like an hour on what the next possibilities would be from there, Pilsy. Yeah, I think I've mentioned it all along. I think the only thing that makes sense for the Sens and Alex Dabrinkit is a short-term deal less than three years, more more than once, so two or three uh, years there. But if you are going to trade him, you don't necessarily need to trade him straight up for a goalie because that can be hard to do. Like if teams are trading away a number one goalie, they're probably not looking for a 40 goal score. That probably doesn't make sense in a return. But whatever you're doing, you need to have the forefront in your head to think we're going to use the assets we get from Dabrinka to acquire a goalie somehow, whether it's in that deal or after using those assets. That's that's the main thing. Like the Connor Brown, you get the second and then you flip it for in the Chikrin trade. Yeah, exactly. And and for you guys, if let's say DeBrinket says he's out and they trade him and, and maybe you get a goalie, but let's say it's not UC Saros or Connor Hellebuck that are perennial um, Vesna Trophy candidates, are the Senators still a playoff team if they lose a guy like Alex DeBrinket? Totally. Yeah, definitely. Because like, honestly, if you look at DeBrinket's production this year, you could just slide Josh Norris right in there and he'll produce the same, in my opinion, if not more, right? So you're going to, there's going to be ways to get that production back. Um, I, I just think that, you know, Alex Zabrinkit, it was awesome when the Sens got him, but he is, he's not the key to this team being successful. He will help this team be successful. Absolutely. There's no doubt in that. And we both think he's a great player and would love to have him. But if they're not able to make things work, it's not like, blow it up. I mean, we're done. We, we don't have to bring it. It's over. Like that is not at all the case. So I think the senators are in a tricky situation, but regardless of the outcome, Alex Brink and on this team or not, this, this core is just so good and is locked up. I'm not concerned. Alex, let me ask you this. How many players on the Ottawa senators are more important to their success than Alex to Yeah. That's a really and good then, Based on your answer. That will tell you how much you should be paying. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good question. I think, I'm trying to think. Obviously, Stutzla and Brady, I think that's obvious. Yep. I think Sanderson, you have to say, that's three. 
Uh, Zach, yeah. Now Chikrin is interesting. I think you can make a case because I, I haven't seen him enough, but I think Chikrin, you can make a case. Norris, if he's healthy, yes. So four. Um, so we got Claude Giroux in that list too. Yeah, Giroux. Yeah, for me, it's just the age. Like it. Like I was gonna ask you guys, like, is he gonna be good? Like as good next year? But he was a point per game guy. But yeah, you're at still five, outscored. six guys. He still outscored Alex DeBrinket this year, and yeah. you can say, oh, he played with Timmy and and he was Batman. a better player than Alex DeBrinket this yeah. year. Like totally, that, you could say totally. he played with Brady and Timmy at even strength, and I'd say, well, who played with Brady and Timmy on the power play? It was DeBrinket the whole year. Yeah. Like, imagine if Giroux, like, you guys had the, like, obviously Giroux got over, um, got to a thousand and had the over under that you guys had. But, um, yeah, stick taps for that for you guys. But, uh, with that, like, imagine if Giroux was on the first power play. Like, is he 90 points? Like, is he? I, I, I don't know if I can't put a direct number on it, but I can tell you, Alex, that since 2010, one player in National Hockey League has more po- power play points than Claude Giroux. Crosby, Crosby, I believe it's Evgeny Malkin. Really? Wow. Wow. So, that's, that's, yep. So you you have a guy who's been perennially the best power play player in the National Hockey League for more than a decade. And he's on your second unit, which he's was actually his. a really good second unit for the most part. They had ups and downs, but. Sorry, it's uh, Alex Ovechkin and then Claude Giroux number two. Since 2009, Alex. That's crazy. He's, yeah. I mean, that is just such a amazing addition and like i just think that that this team i think i completely agree with you guys i think they have to be a playoff team but um this year but i think Giroux is just such an important addition and going forward it's just going to be great i i guess pardon me for the culture right yeah no like you could tell like i i I, what was the game it was in november where he had that i mean every time they lose he just looks like he wants to kill someone but there was that thing where he I think it was against Philly or uh, Vancouver. And he just looked so despondent and he's like, we just can't take that. And then they started to kind of come back Um, with, with that for you guys, I want to go to the defense because the defense finally seems like a place where I feel like you guys for three years have been talking about, let's just find a top four defenseman or two or three um, back for you guys who's the best defenseman on the Ottawa Senators right right now? Like next year, who will be the best defenseman? I want to will Thomas Shabbat into existence, but I would say this past year was Jake Sanderson, which is crazy to say at, at age 20, but he is ridiculous. The smooth skating aspect, the decision-making, everything is so elite. And just like, I mean, I want to say I saw him play in college, but he decided to be ill the two games that I went down for. What a mush, but... In, in what you saw and what we spoke to Brad Schlossman with uh, the North Dakota Herald and uh, even speaking with other teammates of his and Shane Pinto, Tyler Clevin, and Jacob Bernard Docker, they all said the same thing. He came in and was unbelievably defensively in college. And then the second year, he's like, oh, now I'm comfortable. Now I'm going to turn on the offense. So I think we haven't even seen even close to the offensive ability that Jake Sanderson has. I think he's going to start holding on to pucks longer in the offensive zone and making plays happen. And that's going to be thrilling to watch because he already gets you out of your seat with just how smooth he is. And I really think there's kind of a, another aspect to it, but I want Pilsy to answer this. Like, was he your best Senators defenseman last year? Easily. And that's no disrespect to Thomas Shabbat, but the thing is, 
I think Jake Sanderson was the best defenseman last year and will be the best defenseman this year as well. And the key to this is finally he is going to have a proper off season. Last off season was wild for him with all the traveling he did. Um, and his hand was messed up. He had that he had huge cast on. Yeah. Yeah. He had the paper mache uh, cast all the way all over his arm and he's getting ready for the NHL. And now 77 games is insane for him to have played in the pro leagues when you consider how many games he played in college in one season at a time. Like it was such a big jump. So now he has all that under his belt. He's got a full year of pro experience. He's got weeks of being this team's number one defenseman when Chikrin and Shabbat were out. And he's going to have a proper offseason to rest, recover, and focus on what he needs to do to get better. And if there's anything we know about Jake Sanderson through talking to him, talking to his college teammates, talking to uh, people that covered him in, in college, is this guy's work ethic and discipline is it, – it's like he's a 20-year NHL vet. Like the discipline that this guy has to – taking care of his body and becoming a better player is through the roof. So I don't want this to sound like I'm dogging on Thomas Shabbat. That's not at all what this is. I have a lot of respect for Shabbat and I still think he's a great defenseman, but Jake Sanderson, I mean, this guy's a fifth overall pick in one of the deepest drafts in recent history. Like he is legit and the senators and sense fans are blessed to have him. Alex, who did you find the best sense defenseman? this year? I was going to say, I was going to say Jake Sanderson. I, I thought, I know you guys are talking about Shabbat. I thought he was really disappointing Shabbat. Like, I don't think, he, I don't, I'm, I haven't given up on him, but I was really disappointed in Shabbat this year. I think most Sens fans would. I think he felt like he took a step back. We'll see with a new coach or if there is a new coach. But yeah, I go to like 20, 25 games a year. I think for Sanderson, the thing that stood out for a rookie is just consistency. Like when was a lot? Well, how many? Maybe three games where you're like, "Oh, he had a bad game." Yeah. Sometimes he, he wasn't perfect. Like obviously he's a rookie, but you never watched him and say, "Oh, he had a really bad game today." And he's what twenty twenty one. So yeah, I think he was the by far the best. I want to see Chickren more. I think that's yep. he's a not a wild card because he was on the team to end the year, but it didn't feel as though he played consistently, and I feel that's going to be really interesting to see how this decor shapes up and I, for you guys what do you do do you do all three of them on the left side do you play one on the right what what do you guys do ross I think the top four is already locked in for me man uh training camp's already in pen it's in hieroglyphics it's been lit, written hieroglyphics damn yeah. that's a new one here we go uh, it's it's no brainer it's shabbat and chikrin chikrin playing the right side and the second pair is is Sanderson and Zub. Uh, I think if you really want to switch it up between those four, sure. Uh, I'm not really a big proponent of, of doing that because Shabbat's been kind of carrying partners for years. Yeah. This guy played with Ron Hainsey for a full season. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And then Nikita Zaitsev for like the last yeah. two, three years, he's been like attached at the hip. It's like they're pedal, they're tied together with their ankle pedaling together. Hey, Pelzi, little tease for a David. Yeah. Be- you coming up but you you look at all of uh of the shabbat partners over the years and you're like okay can he have a consistent good partner i know he played with zub quite a bit in in like uh, certain times last year but i'm talking day one at camp all the way through and i think he deserves that as the longest serving guy on the team the guy who was on the 2018 gong show season like get this guy a partner and, and they finally did i was literally i almost i almost left cabo early 
to fly up and make DJ Smith put him. Him starting with Nick Holden was the biggest crock of crap I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. The receptionist. Ross, we did a tweet. Who should Jacob Chikrin start with? And we had six different options. The one option we omitted was with Nick Holden. And that's what they went with. It was mind-boggling. I, I couldn't believe it. So, Alex, to answer your question... Uh, for me, Eric Branstrom's your third pair, right? Left side oh, defense. He was, he was so good to end the year. Like, right. I was at those games. He was so good. Like, I – like, I, sometimes you you look at the analytics and you're like, I don't really see where this is – like, how this is happening. But when you see all the, like, Corsi and kind of – and it's a, basically he's at 60% and all his pairings are at 40, it's like, yep, that makes sense. The puck yeah, gets totally. out. The puck gets out when it's on his side. It doesn't on the other side. Like that's hundred yeah, percent agree. But like to, the top four has to be the top four, man. Like yeah. let's go into camp with some assurity, like, right? Like how many times has has there been so many moving parts? Like you have a clear four defensemen group who are way better than everyone else on your team. Sorry, Branny, but like those four are on a different level. No, I agree. Play them, yeah. play them together, especially the lefties, right? So. Move one, I don't care who plays the right. I think that's somewhere where a, a new age coach doesn't just write them on the chalkboard. He talks to the guys and say, hey, out of a hey, Chikrin, Sanderson, and uh, Shabbat, you get them in a room. Who do you think is going to be the best on the right side? And based on the small sample size, 12 games that we saw from Chikrin, that guy uses one hand on his stick all the time anyways. So does it matter what side he's on? I'd say a little bit less. If not... If you're a lefty, your top hand is your right hand. Yeah. So for him to defend the outside, I think it's easier for him to have so much more control on his one hand, his top hands, his right one, to be able to do that. Now, I thought P.K. Subban did a great segment of why it's so difficult to play your offside, that extra split second to pull the puck to your forehand when you're coming out of the zone on your offside. But I think Chikrin, and, and you look at when it's in the O-zone, who has the best shot on your blue line? It's Chikrin. Give him that one-timer capability. I think he's the guy who naturally fits over there on the right. No, for sure. And I want to, you guys kind of alluded to it without saying it and, and about the coaching. And I want to ask you, like, do you think DJ in like, what do you think of DJ Smith as the coach this year and, or last year, sorry. And should he be the coach next year? Like for me, I'm, I'm a bit out like personally, but um I don't know. It's it's definitely a hot topic and it feels as though it will be addressed whenever new ownership comes in. I think DJ has earned the right to have a chance with this roster and with this roster healthy. And when people point to look at his record, he's lost so many years in a row. Well, duh, this is a rebuilding team. He was never really given a chance. And when he got a chance last season, the injuries were absolutely mind-boggling. Like uh, Kevin Mandelaze and Matt Sogard were his top two goalies for a couple weeks there. So like it just got crazy. And uh, look, am I saying I, he has my full stamp of approval and I think he's he is the guy that's going to get them to Stanley Cup? No, I'm not sure that's the case. I think he was the right guy to develop them, to keep things light when they were losing game in and game out, to help the young guys build a culture. So I think he's earned a chance to try to take these guys to the playoffs and see what can happen. But he's on a short leash, if you ask me, just because the problem with DJ Smith, the biggest problem, in my opinion, has been his slow starts. This team has been out of it by November. And Ross and I have kind of benchmarked that the Sweden trip in mid-November is that's when you decide if you're sticking with them or not. Because if he's not near 500 or, I mean, even at 500, 
you can't go forward with them because it, it, we've seen how November plays out. It's an absolute disaster. So I like DJ Smith. I think from everything we've seen from the players, they all still like him. It's not like his voice or his message has gone stale. He's willing to talk to them. We saw that long meeting he had with Debrinket and Giroux after the game at the whiteboard going over what them telling him what they think can help them be successful. And he, he's willing to listen to that. So I think he is a good coach and I think he deserves a chance to try to take this team to the playoffs, but he doesn't have the long leash he he's had the last couple of seasons. He needs to earn his ticket to Sweden. Like yeah, that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. To me, like that, that's not only a benchmark, that's that's serious. Like he, yeah. he cannot go to Sweden if this team is five hundred or worse. He just can't. I, I wonder if they I don't want to make a basketball reference, but if they do what they did with the Raptors with Dwayne Casey and Nick Nurse, if they bring in someone with the money that is on their on the benching uh, on the coaching staff that is someone that let's say DJ they start the season poorly that they can take him and put him in to be an interim coach. Like I, I think about that. I, for me, I'm I'm a bit out, but it's also like who who are you replacing him with, right? Like, do I want Jared Gallant? No, that's not. I'm just like throwing a name out. But so it really depends on who it would be to replace him. Same with the Dorian discussion. Like I like if it's Eric Tulski, sure, that'd be great. He seems to be amazing. But if it's, I don't know, Mark Bergevin, maybe I don't want Mark Bergevin, the 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 GM of the Ottawa Senators. So it's almost it's, like the grass is always greener, eh? Alex? Yeah, yeah. You, you really have to kind of, you know, maybe, maybe watch because you can always get worse too. And I feel yes. like I've shown improvement. Over the last three years, I would say last year was better than the year before. This year was better than last year. All right. Well, now he's at the end of the rope. Yeah. But I, I think you give him a dozen games at the start of the year. And if you're not winning six or eight of those games, it's the way we go. And there's always the new coach bump, which is the weirdest thing to me. But yeah, like, so let's get in Vancouver, like they were like the fifth worst team. And then they became too good to get a good pick. It, yeah. No, for sure. For you guys, I guess before I, I let you guys go, um, what like you guys said playoffs is the expectation, but is it squeaking into the wild card? Like for me, I look at this team and I think I see New Jersey this year, and I see that can be the sense next year that the team that just makes a huge jump because they finally get decent goaltending, they finally have a defense, they can score at five on five. What do you think if they, the Sens are to make a big jump? next year like to make the playoffs like what should it be is it just get in any way means possible which obviously it should be but what should be the expectations wild card maybe even in the division playoff well i think if we've learned anything from this playoffs it's who cares where you finished in the regular season i mean i don't think you could have found a single person who put the Florida Panthers making it all the way to the conference finals, especially when they're up against one of the greatest teams in NHL history, records-wise, in the regular season. And then they get the Leafs, who finally got the monkey off their back, and they're in the second round. Like, not many teams thought they could do this. And the thing is, the Ottawa Senators have a scrappy team where I almost prefer if they barely make it in. Like, I want them battling right till the end. And then they go in as the underdogs and they're hungry and they're saying no one believes in us. Just like Matthew Kachuk was mentioning, every single person doubted us except all the guys in that room. And we knew we could do it and we did it. And I think with Brady, he can have that same mentality for this team. So 
I just think they're a gritty enough team that they don't need to have a, a cushy a one seed and a home advantage throughout the playoffs. I don't care. Get in and uh, and get going because I cannot wait to see Brady Kachuk in a playoff series. And as the Locked On Senators podcast, we're about to do episode 800 today. Congrats. We have seen zero playoff games that entire span and i've never been to a playoff game in my entire life so i would mm. like to get that checked off the list alex so let's go i don't care how they get in get me to the postseason baby no i was there in in 2017 for a couple of games so it was, i was at the nice. dion Phaneuf game winner That's so that awesome. was that was pretty that was pretty fun um for you too i i i just thought of this just and I, I want to ask you guys because I think it's a fun little subject. Do you think Tim Stutzel gets to a hundred points next year? Ooh, oh, we had know. this discussion, Ross. You go okay. for it. I'm going so crazy to say I think he gets to 110. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my I, god. I think he's that good. I think scoring's up, and I think that there's gonna be a bit of pressure off his line if you have Norris and, and a second unit that can score. You're gonna have to be a defenseman or a other head coach. You're gonna have to pick which line is gonna defend Tim Stutzel's line. And uh, I just think the sky's the limit for this kid. So I'd rather bet on him to go big rather than be impressed by you know him exceeding expectations again. I think he's that talented, he's that electric. Hell, Pilsy and I's first time ever seeing him play or first trip going home to see him play. Uh, he ends up getting four points against New Jersey. He scores a shorthanded mm-hmm. breakaway. Like this guy, he's not a one trick pony he can beat you yeah. 10 different ways. And um, he's special. He is special. So health obviously is going to have to be the key to get 82 games, but look how many guys had hundred points this year. Like Ryan Nugent Hopkins yep. at hundred points. I, I think that that should be the barometer for him. And, and I think he can elevate that bar even higher. So obviously it's a huge ask and, um, if he doesn't hit that, I'm not going to be disappointed. Uh, but I think that we can set the bar extremely high for what Tim Stutzla can do with the Ottawa Senators. And uh, becoming, we know he's a superstar, but he can be a league-wide superstar. And I think we're going to see that. Yeah. You need you make your money in the regular season. You make your legacy in the playoffs. So, again, it all comes down to getting into the playoffs and then seeing what he can do. But, man, what a player. Like, Sens fans, if you're trying to recruit a new Sens fan, literally just go on and type in Tim Stutzel highlights and it's, it's jaw dropping stuff. We said it the day before the draft, he's the type of player that you buy a ticket because Tim Stutzel is playing in the game and you don't know what the heck he's going to do, but it's going to be ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I would love to be right there with Ross at 110, but I got him in the high nineties and I wouldn't be surprised if he cracks a hundred. No, I, I think my YouTube algorithm always gives me Tim Stutzla like 39 goals from 2022, 2023. <laughs> and I always put that on. So I definitely feel that. I know you guys yesterday um talked about who you think will will win the or will win the next rounds in the conference finals. Quickly for you guys, who's your Stanley Cup pick to to win it all? I got the Dallas Stars. Uh, I'll be honest, mostly because I put a future bet on them at FanDuel at fifteen hundred before the playoff starts at plus fifteen hundred. So I'm really hoping that one cashes in for me. But also, I just looked down their lineup and and they've got it all. They've got the star goaltender now. I know Ottinger has had some shaky uh, shaky games, but he's one of the best goalies left here. I would say for sure. They got the star defenseman in uh, Heiskanen, and I believe their decor is pretty deep as well. And then they've got the superstar young players in Jason Robertson, Rupe Hints. But 
it's not all young guys. They've got Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben there and Joe Pavelski that know how to get it done in the playoffs and they can help support those young guys. So for me, I really think the Dallas Stars have a great chance at winning the cup and they're my cup pick. I'm I'm with Pilsy, but I'll give you a different answer just so we're not kind of parroting each other. Although I'm specifically cheering <clears throat> for Joe Pavelski, who's never won the Stanley yeah. Cup, yeah. but has the most active points in the Stanley Cup playoffs of anyone. More than Crosby, Crazy. more than Ovechkin, but he's never won the Stanley Cup. And Pilsy, I had to scoff at you saying that Dallas has a star goalie because that's just, come on, too easy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. But I'll go with the Florida Panthers. Yeah. I love the scrappy mentality. Obviously, it would uh, light another fire, a forest fire out of control under Brady's ass if he sees Matthew parading around the Stanley Cup all summer. So selfishly, from a Senator's perspective, I want that. We know playoffs, it's all about getting hot at the right time. And is there a hotter team than the Florida Panthers right now? If they are, maybe it's the team they're playing next because the Carolina Hurricanes, I've been against them in round one. I thought Sorokin was going to steal that series. He didn't. Then I was against them in round two. I thought New Jersey beating the the Rangers in game seven, they were going to carry that momentum in after losing the first two games, winning four of the next five. Holy, they wiped the floor with them. So that to me, if they can get past Carolina, I don't know who's going to beat them. But all four teams deserve it. I got to see Vegas play twice in the playoffs, games three and four in Winnipeg. They are a wagon. They're so fast in the neutral zone. They they can beat you any different way you want to play. They've got huge defensemen. Um, I won't be surprised at anything. I'm definitely more interested in the Western final. I think it's going to be heavy hockey. It's going to be fast. It's going to be a little bit of everything. Uh, but man, uh, I'll go with the Florida Panthers because I think Bob's peaking at the right time. He's kind of earning that $10 million tag next to his name. And um, if I'm doing a draft right now, and maybe I'll get your take on this too, Alex. If I'm doing a draft right now of all the players available, Master Chuck's my 1-1 right now of all the remaining players in the National Hockey League. Like, you can't yeah. tell me that there's anyone who you'd pick on your team more so. And so I hopped on his, uh, his con Smythe odds at FanDuel the other day. And I, it's 600, man, plus 600. Whoa. Whoa. If they can get it, I'm in. You know, the, I was actually surprised. The shortest odds right now is Sebastian Aho at plus yeah. 400. Really? I think, I, mean, I think he's you guys the top said player Carolina's for the favorite, favorite team. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Carolina's so, the makes favorite. Sense. so it makes sense, I guess, to a yeah. Still though, that I feel like Carolina, you could pick other people. Like I don't, I don't know. Yeah, no, I yeah, that's really interesting. I definitely think I think you're right, Ross. That uh, Matthew Kachuk is by far the the best player in the. You might pick Ottinger though if you want to build around a goalie. I could see that. I could see yeah, that. Rupe Hints, he's been really yeah. Rupe Hints has been nasty huge. player. Hey, he's he talk about it. It's almost like, and I don't want to say they're similar because Dallas obviously so much more success. But like the way that their top line is constructed in Dallas with your big winger and Jason Robertson in Brady Kachuk, kind of similar. Then you have Rupe Hintz and Tim Stutz, so different styles for sure, yeah. but both like superstar top centermen. And then the 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 wily vet in Joe Pavelski and Claude Giroux on the other wing. I see some kind of um, contrast between that, that you can mm-hmm. kind of compare and contrast. So um, I think for Dallas, it, it would be fun to see them win for, for Joe Pavelski to get that cup. So that's, that's where I'm cheering for, but also I think Florida, that would be a fun Stanley cup final for me with the, the Florida Panthers and the Dallas stars. So that's what I'll give you there, Alex, but you to answer, I, I don't know if I give you time to answer my question. Are you taking Matthew Kachuk first? I know there's a lot of guys out there. That's a really good question. I, I don't. Yeah. I think I'll, I'll say yes. 
But I will say the way Rupe Hintz has been playing in the playoffs has been, if you don't watch the Dallas Stars, he's just been so good. I think, I forget how many goals he has. He has, does he have 10? No, I think he has, he has, he has a lot 11. of points. Yeah, yeah. So he's just been amazing, and that team's a wagon. I think for Vegas, you can kind of go everywhere. So I don't know who. Or no, he's nine goals. Nine well, goals. Jack, Jack Eichel had a ridiculous series against oh, Edmonton. That, that was going to be my third uh, sleeper behind uh, those two players is Jack Eichel because this is a guy that has wanted playoffs so badly, and now he has a taste of it, and he's showing everyone what he can do. And uh, I don't want to make this into a betting show, but I will say <laughs> – if you put $5 on Carter Verhage to win the Conn Smythe, and he's been ridiculous. I don't think that's out of amazing. the question. No, no, he's been amazing. $5, you would win 240 Just saying. Holy that's God. wild odds. So you can have some fun with that, obviously. Yeah. But uh, no, there, there's so many great stories. Like even Aiden Hill coming in and shutting oh. the door. I, I, awesome. I don't like that. And I get it when there's teams that are super Southern, maybe it's a little bit harder to get interested, but I was having a funny conversation at the office yesterday, obviously in Winnipeg yeah. and people were laughing saying the Stanley cup is going to be in Manitoba more if Vegas wins than if the yeah. Jets. True. True. Yeah. Well, I think Vegas says I saw it. I forget where, but it's 16 out of 20 players are Canadian. Six yeah. are from Manitoba. From... Oh, I thought it was yeah, four yeah, yeah. six. Yeah, well, maybe they're counting uh, McCrimmon. Maybe they oh, can't. okay. Yes. Well, there's a lot because there's like Colasar. There's a bunch of guys from Winnipeg. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. White yeah, Cloud, not... right? Too. Yeah. White Cloud Stone. is Stones from Winnipeg. Oh. Brett Howden's from Winnipeg as well. And yeah. and then if you look at Saskatchewan too, Chandler Stevenson, Brandon yeah. um, McNabb as well. Like they're they're a prairie fed team there, and it's uh, it's kind of fun. And they had Ryan Reeves. Obviously, he's not there anymore. But uh, there's a direct connection. And even I know he's born in Calgary, but Logan Thompson uh, grew up in Manitoba playing for the Brandon Wheat Kings as well. There's a huge connection, obviously, with the McCrimmons and Brandon Wheat Kings and and the Vegas Golden Knights. So I think a lot of people in in Manitoba want to see Vegas win, even though they they beat out uh, the Winnipeg Jets. But uh, no, whichever way, it's going to be a great story. Like sometimes the second round can get a bit sleepy. But now you're you're at the final four. It's like one game takes center stage every night. There's no like, oh, this, that. It's it's awesome, man. I love the playoffs, and hopefully uh one day the Sens can be a part of it. It'd be really cool. Really cool. Um, I mean, I have a I have a sneaky su- suspicion that you guys will be covering a, a Sens game uh next year and in, in, in April. So we'll we'll see if that if that happens. But thanks so much guys for coming on i really appreciate it and i just wanted to give you guys the floor anything you want to plug for the locked on or anything the listeners uh, should stay tuned for with your podcast well i just think everyone should be locked on to the behind the play podcast because <laughs> honestly alex like you not being affiliated with anyone just doing it literally for the love of the game like we can't tell you how much that like how commendable that Thank is you. that you just grind it out get day in day out like it's awesome reaching out to all these great guests and getting their stories and your interview style is awesome. It's like a perfect mix of asking kind of about them and their career. And then also the topics that have made those people successful in what they do. So I just want to commend you for that. And obviously uh, your great follow on Twitter as well. And uh, for us, you can find us at send central on Twitter. um, And then our own personal ones are just our own names. And of course the shows on YouTube as well coming in, at a, a million downloads by the end wow. of the week. Congrats, uh, views, I should That's say. That's awesome. Views, yes, on YouTube. We're super yeah. fired up about that, eh, Pills? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, final thoughts for me are go, sends, go. And we'll see everyone watching at the home opener. This home opener is going to be absolutely amazing. We'll see you there, right, Alex? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I have my season tickets. I'm all good. I'm locked in. 
or locked on for, for the new year. So, uh, for the new season. So I'm excited and, uh, I'm glad that, uh, I'm, I got a final question for you. Yeah. Where's the best place to sit at the CTC? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, my dad got season tickets this year or like he shares it and it's the two hundreds row a it's in the corner, um, where the send shoot twice. I really like that. I would maybe like it middle, like right center ice first row two hundreds. Cause I find you can see everything, but you're not, I find closer up is actually kind of worse. Yeah, because it's harder to see all the angles. Like if you just want to watch the game, um, but when you're really close, it's really cool to see the players, you know, hitting the boards and the puck and everything like that. But I think in the 200s, dead center row A is the best. Uh, how about you guys? I like that. Uh, I was lucky enough. My dad was always in 115 growing up, which is basically where we saw you there um, yeah. at, yeah. against Tampa, like right, right up front of there. So no, it's like blue line. It's like basically oh. blue line where they attack twice, like two sections from where the TSN little studio mm-hmm. is. So that last row is, is so key in, if you're in the 100s. But I love, like when I had my half-season tickets when I was working as a cook in Ottawa, we were row C in 319. I love Three, 319. 319, I've had a lot of good memories there. So that's it for me. Is is our, our 319, 318, where it's like you're in the blue line, you're where the send shoot twice. And my only, and this is such a strange kind of tick I have, and maybe it's because of, of where I grew up watching, but I need the logo to be facing me and I need to be looking at the benches. And I like being able to see really? what's shuffling around at the benches. So I like being on the penalty box side. I don't think. I don't think I've sat on the other side of the building more than once. I try to avoid it at all costs. I've never heard someone have that specific of a Ross is a weird dude. That's interesting. We're a goalie friendly show. We're kind of weird by association. Yes. yes. No, 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 for sure. But uh, thanks so much guys for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. And I'll definitely be checking out uh, you guys with Method and everything else this summer. Hopefully uh, the ownership ends and you stop having that uh, to, to deal with. And uh uh, and we can move on and have a really exciting next couple of years with finally some money in this team and just the team's so exciting on the ice as well. So thanks so much guys for taking the time and coming on. Totally. And anytime you want to have us just reach out, whether it's after the sale, if maybe there's a big move this summer, you want to hit on anytime, man, we for always sure. appreciate yep. you. And, and like I said, man, super commendable that, that you're, you're grinding it out and doing it as much content as you can. And, uh, it'll pay off for you. I guarantee that. Thanks so much, Ross. And I'm now blushing like you did at the beginning. So I think it's a perfect way to end off. So thanks so much, guys. And I'll definitely uh, see you soon, hopefully, uh, with um, some news on ownership. And maybe uh, maybe, maybe we have Snoop Dogg to, to start the season and, uh, and see you guys then. But uh, uh, thanks so much. And I'll uh, see you guys soon.